today we pick up with week three of our sermon series entitled Mama Say, Mama Say. And we look at the Old Testament character of Hannah today and the concept of serving the Lord, loving the Lord all the days of our life. And in some ways, this is a continuation or a part two, in some respects at least, of my message from two weeks ago on parent-child, grandparent-child relationships. And I hope and pray that our time in God's Word today can be helpful to you wherever you're at in life spectrum, as a child, as a future parent, parent of young children, parent of teenagers, parent of older children, uh, a grandparent, or you may not be a parent, but an aunt or an uncle, a mentor, someone who plays a significant role in the life of a young person and cares about them loving and serving the Lord all the days of their life. Now, Hannah was a faithful woman of God. She lived in the 11th century B.C. in Israel, and we know from Scripture that she had a strong faith, and she was often in prayer to the Lord. And one of the struggles that she came to God with on a regular basis was her desire to have a child. She so desperately wanted a baby, wanted a son, and her and her husband were not able to conceive. And to make it more difficult, even at that time in the ancient Near East culture, a woman who was barren, a woman who was not able to have children, was viewed with scorn or humiliation. Something must be wrong with her. There was shame, and that's wrong on so many levels, of course. It takes two to make a baby. Uh, if someone is going through an issue of infertility, to have unwarranted pressure or stress or shame put on them, that's rather unfortunate. And I think anybody that's ever gone through some of those struggles uh, with starting a family and infertility would probably have special empathy for this couple. Uh, matter of fact, I was just reading the other day, one out of six American couples currently struggle with issues of fertility and being able to start a family in our country today. So it's a very real issue. Hannah went to the Lord consistently about the heartache and her desire. We see in 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning with verse 10, in bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord, and she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. Shortly after, God in his grace and his mercy answered Hannah's prayer. And I think it's important to note that God always hears our prayers, doesn't he? He always answers our prayers. Sometimes it may be a yes. Sometimes it's a deferred yes. Sometimes it's no, not right now. Maybe later I'll show you in a way that you can't even imagine. But God always, according to his perfect timetable, hears and answers our prayers. In this case, he allowed Hannah to conceive and have a child. And Scripture says this boy was her pride and her joy. Um, and she had asked the Lord for many years for a baby. So when it came time to naming him, she named him Samuel, which means I asked the Lord for him. He was her pride and joy. And we see in 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting with verse 27, Hannah says, I prayed for this child, and the Lord granted me what I asked. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord, and she worshiped the Lord there. And she kept her vow that she made to the Lord. And Scripture says that about age three, when Samuel had become weaned from her, his mother, he turned Sam, she turned Samuel over to be raised full-time by the priests for service to the Lord. And I'm sure this was a difficult decision for Hannah as a mother in many ways and on many levels. But the Lord made good use of this mother's dedication. 
Uh, we see in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 26, Scripture says, The boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and favor with the Lord and with men. And if we know our Old Testament history, Samuel goes on to become a great leader in Israel. He becomes a judge. He's the last of the judges during that era of Old Testament history. And as a judge, he restored law and order in Israel and the proper worship of God. And in the years after the judges, as Israel so much so badly wanted a king, he was their key spiritual leader leading up to the time in the early days of the reign of King Saul. Now, one point I want to make here very clearly, is today when we talk about dedicating our lives, dedicating the lives of our children or our grandchildren to serving the Lord, the point of the story and the message is not like in the case of Samuel, they would have to serve the Lord full-time vocationally as a professional church worker. Or in other words, unlike Samuel, they don't have to be a pastor or a priest or a youth minister. If the Lord leads that child someday to that, that's fine, wonderful, the need is great. But really the point is to have our lives dedicated to loving and serving the Lord regardless of vocation. And if we look at a verse where we look at a lot here at St. Michael, from 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 9, we see that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful life. We're reminded that we're all equipped with gifts and abilities to serve the Lord. We're called to a life of service to him in response to his awesome grace and love. And that we're all in ministry. We're all ministers together in an overall life dedicated to serving him. And that's what we're talking about today. When all is said and done, you know, you think of your role as a parent or a grandparent or as someone else who has a significant interest in the life of a young person. As I said in the children's message, there's many things we'll teach our children in different stages of life. To crawl, to walk, to eat, to sing. I left that up to my wife and my family, if you know how I sing. Uh, We teach them to read, to write, to add, subtract, about finances or relationships, teaching them to drive, and so forth. But in the end, what's the only thing that matters? The reason God put them in our family is that they would love Jesus, that they would have the love of Jesus in their heart. I know I've told my own kids uh, several occasions, Laura has too, that, you know, when my time or our time is done on this earth as their parents, we hope and pray they have many memories. They are, there's things that we've been able to teach them that they'll remember, that they may have happy memories of Christmases or birthdays or family vacations or Friday night pizza nights or game nights, uh, that someday they may think some of my stories and jokes are funnier than they do right now as early teens, but, but in the end... All that matters is they love the Lord and that they're set on a path to grow in that faith relationship as long as they live in response to his great grace and love. And our kids and our grandkids, whether they're bawling or whether they're crawling, whether they're talking, whether they're walking, whether they're driving us crazy, whether they're asking us for the keys to the car, they're a gift from God. And the Lord gives us in Scripture some very clear guidance on how to raise them to be full of faith and focused on Him and maybe can help us sometimes feel a little less frustrated and a little less fatigued and a little less frazzled as parents and grandparents. Although as the sermon theme song of our series goes, Mama said there will be days like this and there will be days that we will feel that way. 
Children are given to their parents by the Lord for the most key job that there can be, shaping them, being the primary former and shaper of the faith, supported by the church, absolutely, but most importantly, supported by the Lord to give us the power and the help that we need. One of the verses that I think is so foundational to faith in the family is a verse that we looked at briefly two weeks ago from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I'm going to spend a little more time on this today in a couple different places. Beginning with verse 4, hear the words of Moses. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord God with all your heart, and with all your soul, with all your strength. Um, and these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, putting in language today, as you live your life out in the family by the grace of God, Talk about the faith, share the faith, model the faith, try to relate, try to be real. Inside the home, outside the home, in the minivan, coming back from practice. Uh, in a few minutes you may have as you know, each person grabs something, five minutes and heads out a different door. Take the opportunity to relate God and faith and family and struggles throughout your life. Model the faith. Parents are the primary shapers and formers of the faith in their children, and grandparents play a role in that as well. And I've told my kids that I don't care if they forget everything that I tell them someday. Well, actually, I would. <laughs> I really would care. But again, the bottom line is I just want them in the end to love Jesus. And that's why God, for whatever reason, gave me, and I'm so thankful, and Laura's so thankful, that's why he gave Nathan, Alyssa, and John to be in our family. That's why he gave Samuel to Hannah and her husband, and that's why he gave you your children and your grandchildren. He gave them to you for this very important task. And the church, St. Michael Lutheran, we're here to help. We're helped to equip, to support the home as being the primary center of faith development. And more importantly, our God is there. He is there to forgive us and empower us for the times where we just plain feel unequipped, ill-equipped for this important task. And praise be to God for that. He is there to help us. And when we look at dedicating lives to the Lord, I think it begs the question, what are our children, our grandchildren today, and obviously ourselves too, what are we dedicated? The Lord is the goal, and that is number one. And yet, I think we know the struggles out there, don't we? The time pressures we feel, regardless of what stage of life we're at and what kind of family composition we're a part of. Don't we feel the struggles of finances and time? Sometimes there's just not enough hours in the day, uh, conflicting, hectic schedules. Things seem to always get added to the plate but never taken away from the plate at home, at work, and the impact that can have on families. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just wish, you know, as I look at my own kids or I look at kids in general, don't you sometimes just wish they had more time to be kids? You know, almost sometimes wish for a simpler time where they just had more time to not be so busy and in so many things. And my family is no different than yours. Um, we struggle with the demands of job and career and home. Uh, my three kids are in some combination of the following, scouts, volleyball, club sports, uh, student government, two in confirmation, uh, one in youth group, uh, just like you. And we try to get the schedules to mesh, and we try to make everything work, don't we, Laura? And it's tough sometimes, but we're all in there. 
And the goal is, what is our kids' primary dedication to? Is it to football? Is it to soccer? Is it to baseball? Is it to volleyball? Is it to club sports? Is it to soccer uh, club? Is it to chess, science, computer games? All very good things, all wonderful blessings from God. Or is our primary dedication ultimately to the Lord? And that's the struggle. And I think it's really a first commandment issue. And you may remember the first commandment, uh, thou shall have no other gods before me. And when we think of the first commandment, We think of idols, don't we? And I like Martin Luther's definition of idols that he came up about 500 years ago with. He said, an idol is whatever you devote your life to. Isn't that a good definition? An idol is whatever you devote your life to. So when we look back in the Old Testament and we see the children of Israel worshiping a golden calf in the book of Exodus, that's clearly an idol, isn't it? Or we see them making statues or poles to different false gods in the Old Testament, and those are idols. But if we put it in our modern-day context, what are our idols today that we wrestle with that could become more important than God? Could it be friends? Could it be a profession, a job, popularity, money, cars, hobby, a sport? And again, they're all good things. It's good to have a job. It's good to have a hobby. I like sports. All those are good things. It's only a problem if it becomes more important than God, if that's ultimately what we're dedicated to. And that's part of the challenge that is given to us as parents and grandparents with our children as we look at our lives ourselves. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like throwing my hands up and saying, what am I doing? You know, how am I doing? You start to question what you're doing. But our gracious Lord is there to forgive us, isn't he, for those times where we may stumble, those times when our priorities may get skewed, those times where our schedules are just too hectic, the times when our nerves are just plain frayed. Like Hannah, we need to be in God's Word and growing in his Word. The Lord will help us grow through his Word. To be in prayer We talked about what Hannah was in prayer to her Lord about. The things, the struggles that we have, the good and bad, the peaks and valleys of our life and our family life. We need to be in prayer and talk with our Heavenly Father because our Lord's guidance is there to help us and he will feed us and he will strengthen us and help us put our children on the path to loving and serving him for a lifetime. Led by the Spirit, there's three keys I want to leave you with today as we work through our message that I think are important as parents, as grandparents, to try to help shape our kids ultimately to be on the path that Samuel was, to love the Lord all his life. And the first key is to be passionate, to be passionate. Uh, Bo Schembechler, the late legendary uh, U of M football coach, Um, who knew something about leading people. His uh, Big Ten Wolverines won 13 football titles during his years as a coach. Wrote a book some years back called Bo's Lasting Lessons. And in it basically says if you're going to influence a person, if you're going to lead a group of people, you have to be passionate about it. There's no substitute for it. And as a matter of fact, the line from his book that I like He says, the fact is you will never be able to lead, shape others effectively unless you put your whole heart into what you're doing. If it's just a job to you, it's going to be a job to them. And trust me, you're not going to fool them. We're called to be passionate about a very tough and a very exciting challenge, 24-7, being the parent and grandparents of our children. And I know from some friends of mine who have kids older than mine who are adult children out of the home, and as I've heard from many of you, you never stop being their parent, do you? 
Whether the child is 3 or 13 or 30 or 60, they're your child, right? You care about them, you love them, you pray for them. They're always going to be your child. So we're always going to be a parent, a grandparent, someone's child. Yes, parenting is the most challenging, demanding, and I think rewarding task that we can be given. And for those of us here today that may have hurting hearts for some reason, who may feel estranged from a father, a mother, a brother, or a sister, someone who may be aching because a child, another family member, has seemingly walked away from the Lord, the Lord is here to help us. Children, other family members have a mind, a will of their own. Sometimes they will make decisions that we don't agree with. But our God is there. His grace is always there to help us grieve when we need to grieve, to struggle, and to not lose hope. Scripture tells us to keep praying, keep fighting, and keep being passionate about our children and our grandchildren and others that we love with the issues we deal with. The second key is to be intentional. Regardless of the age of our children or our grandchildren, to intentionally teach them God's Word, the stories of God's Word, the truth, the grace, the love, the mercy of God, and the plan of salvation, regardless of their age or regardless of where they may be in their walk with the Lord at this time, if there is any walk, never give up. Be intentional. From Deuteronomy chapter 6 again, let's look at verse 7. Impress, and that's the word I really want to focus on. Impress these truths upon our children. And the word impress literally means to sharpen or to teach incisively. That is to go over and over, model and share until it's razor sharp, until a spiritual mark by the power of the Holy Spirit is made in their mind and made in their memory. And the idea of this modeling and this teaching, it's a 24-7 thing. It's just not on Sunday. It's not just compartmentalized in different parts and different times. It's all of our life. And our Lord, again, is there to help us and comfort us and equip us for the times that we fall short. Getting our children, our grandchildren prepared for life academically and socially, someday for college, someday for a career, someday for starting a family, are big responsibilities of parents and grandparents. But teaching them to love Jesus and serve him with all their heart, soul, and mind, as we heard in one of the songs this morning, that is job one. Raising them to be strong, growing children into their adulthood, serving the Lord, is not going to be easy uh, with our sinful nature and in this postmodern era that we live in. If we're not intentional about it, it's easy to get sidetracked. I think it's easy to be overwhelmed by other priorities and busyness and best intentions of life. And as I was thinking about this, I guess I can draw, draw an analogy to something that many of us struggle outside of the spiritual realm with, and that is in the, in the area of weight loss or staying fit. That's a struggle many people wrestle with, to either lose some pounds, get at an ideal weight, or be at a certain physical condition. And you've got to be intentional about it. And it's usually some combination on the eating side of the equation, watching portions or counting fat grams or calories or carbs. And on the exercise side of the equation, it might be jogging so many minutes or running so many miles or working out on the club. 
But if one is not intentional, it's easy to never lose, right, or plateau, or you drop a couple pounds, but then you gain a few back or whatever. One really has to stay intentional, and it's not easy to do. And I think in the spiritual realm, too, it's easy at times to plateau. It's easy to sometimes backslide. It's easy to be overwhelmed by other things in life because life is just so busy and increasingly demanding. And this leads us to our third key. In addition to being passionate and being intentional, we as the adult modelers and shapers need to be spiritually growing ourselves. Because if we're spiritually growing ourselves in God's Word, that helps us do the first two, to be passionate and to be intentional. James Baldwin has said, children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. Children of all ages will watch and imitate behaviors of parents and grandparents and others, and this is true in the spiritual realm as well. We need to take advantage of those opportunities to be in God's Word, to be in a prayer relationship with Him, in worship, and growing through Christian service and fellowship and the other means that God provides us so that we're constantly checking how is our thirst for the Lord? How strong is our desire for the Lord's presence to be in our lives? We need to be spiritually strong and growing if we're going to help and model that for our children and our grandchildren. And I think when I talk to young people, and over the years when I've worked with young people in ministry, I I think one of the things I've picked up on is they really want adults, they want their parents, they want their grandparents, when it comes to the matter of faith and the Bible and so forth, to be real. I think to be authentic, to, you know, be willing to share the struggles that are out there, the times that they have made some mistakes, the doubts that they may have, just to honestly, openly share about some of the challenges. And again, the family is a wonderful context to do that. And it can help us as adults, again, be passionate, be intentional in growing ourselves. I think we know the struggles of our culture today. Um, I don't know about you, but do you sometimes wish we could just go back in time to a time when the church and the church culture was more predominant? You know, where there was a time where biblical values and the truths of God's word were really the norm for society and culture? I I think we all wish we could go there, but that's not going to happen. If anything, in this postmodern era, we're living in a time where biblical truths and a Christian worldview of things is truly countercultural to what's happening in our world and our society. But the good news is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, God's Word and God's truths are never changing. And we can continue to share that and pass that on and help inculcate our children and grandchildren in those values and those truths, that they may grow in grace and knowledge and be connected to that living God. As I said a couple weeks ago, being a child, being a parent, being a grandparent in a sinful fallen world is not easy. And there's going to be challenges. But our hope is not in ourselves. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in God, our awesome God, who loved us so much that he sent his only son into this world to live that perfect life we can't do, that daily we may feel we beat ourselves over, up over. We can't do it. Jesus did it for us. He went to the cross and conquered death, the death meant for us. He conquered the grave, rose again, that all who believe in him may someday live with him forever in paradise. And he compels us to share that good news with others and to pass that on to our children and our grandchildren. Jesus changes lives. He transforms lives. And as we said two weeks ago, he can change or transform the most difficult what we think the most impossible family, parent, child dynamic that can be out there. Praise God for that. Anything's possible with the Lord. 
and he wants to help us be the parents and the grandparents to raise our children to love the Lord. We can't turn back time. Uh, We don't get a mulligan like in golf. We don't get a do-over. And as much as we would like, we can't insulate our kids from the most depraved aspects of society today. But we can teach and model, as imperfectly as we do, the faith, the baton of faith. And as I was thinking of trying to do a children's message, something made me think back on my track and field days. Like I said, I did not enjoy those days running track. But I remember in grade school, teacher would take the 25 of us out there, five teams of five, we'd have the baton in the first hand of the five people, blow the whistle, and we'd go around the track, As soon as you complete your lap, you would pass it on to the next person in line. They would do their lap. Then they would pass the baton on to the next and so forth. And that's really how I think God has intended faith to work in the family. We have the privilege as parents and grandparents to pass on the baton to the next in line, to the next generation, to our children and to our grandchildren. And like Samuel that they may truly grow by the grace of God to love the Lord their God with all their heart and all their soul and all their strength and all their mind. Like Hannah, let's dedicate our children to serving and loving the Lord. Hannah gave her son Samuel the greatest gift a mother, the greatest gift a parent can give a child. By the power of God, she helped set him on a path of loving the Lord God for all his life. Like Hannah, May we do the same by the power of the Holy Spirit that our children, that our grandchildren would love the Lord and all their days run the good faith, the good race of life, loving and serving him. In the name of Jesus, amen.